0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Saturday, February 11th slate of college basketball DFS on FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, FanDuel is back with some full day contests and honestly, they kind of did a decent job selecting the games. Like I think if you were to just kind of pick like the you know the top competition like games that are going on on Saturday. I think they did a fairly good job of it, but I really do like DraftKings' 12-game slate that they are providing for us on the main slate on Saturday. That is going to be what our primary focus is on, uh, but keep in mind all the opinions and um, analysis that I share is going to be pretty true of the guys on FanDuel as well. Um, so that's pretty much what we're looking at. We've got DraftKings and FanDuel prioritizing the main slate on DraftKings here on this podcast. So, um... You know don't really need much of an introduction it's a great slate got a lot of great games we're gonna break it down but first a quick word from our friends at anchor so let's break down the slate as a whole in terms of games to target on the DraftKings slate there are three games that have a total over 150 points the highest total is providence at st john's which is at 153.5 and that game pretty much when you look at the point spread is projected to be 79 to 74 in favor of providence which Kind of makes sense. The previous meeting was 83 to 80 in favor of Providence. So um, that game figures to you, a lot of points scored, and there's a lot of pieces of that game that you can definitely fit into your lineup at all price ranges. The second highest total on the slate is Alabama at Auburn. The total on that one's 152.5. And so it's pretty much projected Alabama 77 to 75. The third highest total on the slate is... Cool. And the last one over 150 is West Virginia at Texas. The total on that one is 150.5, and it is projected to be 78 to 72 Texas. Now, there are a lot of games on this slate with totals in the 140s, and a lot of them are projected to be pretty close games. And so what I really think is in a lot of these games, there are great individual spots and great individual matchups we can target. There's also a lot of slower tempo teams that are caught in tempo up games, which we always like because they're going to get more possessions and more opportunities to score us fantasy points. So this is a really good looking slate, this main slate. A lot of different options that we can go. Now, at the guard position, I'll be totally honest. I think the guards above $8,000 on this slate are a lot of guys that are kind of overpriced. Like, they're good real players. They're, you know, good for their teams. They're, they're solid. Like, there's nothing wrong with them. But I'd per- much prefer if they were, you know a little bit lower in price because it'd be a little bit easier for them to reach four or five times value. Like um, that's just a sentiment. I have a lot about these guards. And so I'll be honest, I'm kind of fine with paying up for the top bigs on this slate as opposed to the top guards. Now, there are some guards that I do think have a little bit of upside. First is J. Pickett of Penn State um he's shown his upside because like literally he he averages about 8 rebounds and 8 assists a game as well as being Penn State's leading scorer he does so much has such a high usage rate that upside is always going to be there but it's a pretty bad game environment against Maryland Penn State's only implied 63 points um but like we've seen the upside with Pickett because of his insane usage because of his ability to score fantasy points by rebounding and assisting like we know it's there I just wish he were a little bit cheaper so it would be a little bit easier for him to hit value and I could afford a lot more in my lineup. Now, after Jalen Pickett, I think Turquavian, Ter- gosh, that's a hard name to say, Turquavian Smith of NC State is another guard that has a little bit of upside. It's a much better game environment than I just mentioned with Jalen Pickett. NC State has implied 74 points against Boston College. And, you know, little known fact about Turquavian Smith, all of his games of 35 fantasy points or more have occurred when NC State scores at least 73 real points. So they're projected 74 in this one. So that means that he has a chance to get to 35, which 35 would be almost four times value, which wouldn't kill you. And, you know, obviously he's got the potential to go for more. Terquavion Smith has actually played 40 minutes in back-to-back games. And so what you're looking at is this guy like never comes off the floor. And so you're going to get constant minutes of Turquavian Smith potential to get you more fantasy points as long as he stays out of foul trouble, which he usually does because he has such an insane minutes load and he's not the best perimeter defender, but that's another place in time. Further down the board is Baylor Shireman of Creighton and pencil me in as a fan of Baylor Shireman, like just I like his game. He contributes in a lot of ways. Um, he's a good, solid fantasy player, but not in this spot. I think he's vastly overpriced. He should be much more about $8,000 on DraftKings instead of um, 9,000. And he only had 26.8 fantasy points last time against UConn. Um, like I said, like the player, like his game, don't like this spot for him. Now, speaking of UConn, Tristan Newton has been incredible lately for them. He has four straight games over 32 fantasy points and two straight games over 43 or more fantasy points, including a triple-double in his last game. But what concerns me is that all four of those were tempo up games for UConn and they were just played it with a lot of possessions and a lot of scoring. Creighton is only 141 in tempo in the nation, according to Ken Palm, which is not bad, but it's not the same level of UConn's opponents like Xavier and Marquette. Last game between Creighton and UConn, only 129 points were scored total, and so I just don't know if this one is going to get to the number of possessions that it would require for Tristan Newton to have a big fantasy day like he's had in the last four. I don't mind him. He's definitely shown you some upside, but I just, I'm a little concerned about the potential to get there if there's going to be less possessions. Now, two other guys that um, are going to have plenty of possessions are Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins of Providence. They get a massive tempo up spot against St. John's. As was mentioned earlier, 163 total points were scored in the previous meeting. Carter was a little bit better than Hopkins in that meeting, but over the course of the season, Hopkins numbers are a little better. I don't mind either of them, especially because Hopkins gets due eligibility. He gives your lineup a lot of flexibility. Marcus Carr of Texas, I believe, has a lot of upside. He had 36.8 fantasy points last time Texas played WVU. And they just, like watching this game, y'all, they never really found a matchup that could guard him. They, they just they couldn't stay in front of him. They couldn't keep him from getting to the rim. They couldn't keep him from getting shots off. Like even if, you know, they sent two guys to help, you know, not let him get to the rim, he just took a mid-range and hit it. Like he was really good in that game. And in that game, he only took 14 shots. And for Marcus Carr, that's, I don't know, that's kind of about average. He has the potential for a lot more. He just took 21 shots against Kansas Monday night. And so, you know, if you think about what he did in the previous matchup and the fact that he has the potential to get even more shots, that's a pretty good spot for Marcus Carr. Now, heading down to the 7K range, we're looking at a spot for Kentucky where they're likely not going to have Xavier Wheeler in this game against Georgia, which would be a revenge game for Xavier Wheeler, by the way, Uh, and also no C.J. Frederick for sure in this game. So that means that we're going to see a lot of extra minutes and a lot of extra usage for Kaysom Wallace and Antonio Reeves um, against a Georgia team that Kentucky should honestly have no trouble with, and they're kind of running out of bodies. Like I have no problem going with either of the two of them in this spot. Now, Boston College has another in- injury situation as well. If they are missing Zachary and Langford from their lineup, which they have been the last two games, then I think this is an absolute smash spot for Makai Ashton Langford against NC State. He has three straight games of 32 fantasy points or more. And this is a tempo up matchup against NC State. NC State is also a poor perimeter defending team. I told you I was going to bring that up later. So I think this is a really good spot for Ashton Langford. I think he can give you a lot of points in terms of fantasy because he is scoring and assisting the ball as the lead guard without Zachary Langford in the lineup. Grant Shurfield of Oklahoma, we talked about on the podcast before, he is a massively tempo dependent play. Oklahoma just gets in so many rock fights that you just don't want to play him when he's in one of those, but if it's going to get up and down, there's going to be some points scored, he's not a bad option. And against Kansas, that was the case when he had 31.5 fantasy points, and we just saw Marcus Carr as a lead guard put up 36 fantasy points against Kansas. I think this is a decent spot for Grant Shurfield. Now heading down to the 6K range, Alabama's Mark Sears isn't usually in this range, and I like him as a part of a game stack, like we should finally get a normal Alabama game flow out of them. Like not a massive blowout, not, you know, just a weird game. This should be a fairly normal Alabama game against Auburn. It should maintain fairly close. And I think Mark Sears is a solid part if you want to game stack that game. Trey Alexander or Creighton? coming on recently, has three straight games over four times value. And in the 6K range, if you're looking for cash game plays that have a little bit of upside, Casey Morsell of NC State, Posh Alexander of St. John's, I like them. They've shown a high floor recently. They are playing a ton of minutes and they are in pretty good game environments. So Morsell and Alexander, no problem playing them in any format, but I definitely think they're a little more geared towards a cash game type of play. Now heading to the 5K range, Alan Flanagan of Auburn, Uh, has two of his last three games over four times value, and is getting a great game environment against Alabama. You know, not the 80-whatever points scored against Tennessee um, that that game featured, um, where I I say 80, but, I mean, both teams combined in the 80s. Like, there wasn't one team getting 80. Just wanted to clarify that. So um, good game environment for Alan Flanagan. The overvalue in two of his last three, solid spot form. I don't mind him at all. Keydren Johnson of West Virginia has come on strong recently as well. He's combined for 60 fantasy points in his last two games and had 27.3 fantasy points against Texas last time. We kind of saw a lot of West Virginia's usage swing towards... Um, Eric Stevenson in in recent weeks. And it's kind of starting to swing back a little bit for Kedrian Johnson. Um, Had a really good game in the blowout of Oklahoma. Had another good game in their win against Iowa State where he got 14 shots. Um, So I think this is actually a really good spot for Kedrian Johnson sitting there in the 5K range. Now for Georgia, if Terry Roberts does not go, well, first off, if, if he does not go, they stand no chance of winning this game. But it also makes Justin Hill and Cario Equendo almost must plays like I just think that like there's not a whole lot of guards for Georgia out there that they're willing to play and play big minutes and put the ball in their hands with the expectation to do something and Hill and Aquendo are those two guys and so if they can keep this game somewhat close then Hill and Aquendo could very easily return you four or five times value I think there's a lot of upside there I don't think I would play both of them uh, between the two of them, I would probably prefer Equendo just because he's shown us a little more upside, and he is a cheaper price, which is kind of weird, but it will take it. Uh, and so I think Equendo is gonna be very popular, but I think he has a lot of upside for you in this slate tomorrow. Now heading down to the 4K range officially, we kind of talked about Equendo already, but Tyrese Hunter, I'm gonna kind of invent a new stat here. I think he has the most talent per dollar on this slate. Okay, um, he is a supremely talented player. We saw it at Iowa State he's good. Like he's a good player on both sides of the ball and he's helped free up Marcus Carr a lot by operating on the ball and being used as a distributor more to get Carr, you know, involved in the offense, um, not with the ball in his hands. And he's kind of sacrificed a little bit of production because of it. And I kind of just feel like, like he's now at a price tag where like, He's too talented to not exceed this price tag. Like he had 20.5 fancy points last time the Texas played West Virginia. That would return you four times value. And I just think he has the potential for so much more. Like the big game is coming and I kind of want to be on him when he has it. And I've talked about this concept all season, trust, talent, talent eventually rises to the top. And on a guy like Tyrese Hunter, I would rather be early to the party than late. Speaking of guys who are dropping in salary, Andre Curbelo of St. John's has not been here like at all this season in this range, um, and I can't really figure out why. And he has a great game environment against Providence, so um, why would we not go back to him? He had 19 fantasy points in that game, which for, at his current salary would be four times value, so I'd have no problem playing Andre Curbelo in this range either. Now, heading down to the 3K range on DraftKings, and a lot of these guys are cheap on FanDuel as well, uh, Otega Owe of Oklahoma just moved into the starting lineup and he has three straight games over 17 fantasy points. Don't mind that one at all. Um, There's a lot of guys in the 3,500 to 3,600 range that I actually don't mind. Ty Rogers of Illinois has hit value in three of his last four games. Raphael Penzon of St. John's. I love the game environment that he's in. Clemson's Alex Hemingway is ramping up from injury and if he gets a full minute low should easily destroy um, his salary Uh, and then Ian Martinez of Maryland um, not a whole lot of upside but definitely giving you a high floor he's had over 12 fantasy points in his last three games the last guy I want to talk about is Joe Bamasilli of Oklahoma I sure hope I pronounced that correctly he's kind of come out of nowhere and had 16.8 and 22.3 fantasy points in his last two games and I kind of feel like Oklahoma, like they're a team that is kind of looking for an identity. They're looking to pick up some big 12 wins and try to fight their way back into the NCAA tournament conversation. Uh, And I think silly is a guy that can help them do that. So why would they not ride the hot hand? And so I think that he is another guy to look out for in this 3K range. I think there's a lot of options that if you go all the way down to them, um, they can give you a little bit of upside and allow you to squeeze in some of the higher priced options on the slate, specifically at the forward position. Speaking of the forward position, that does it for our coverage with the guards. So let's take a quick breather, and then we're going to break down the big fellas. All right, so starting at the very top of the board, we have Armando Bacot of North Carolina. And I'm not really a very big fan of Bacot. Like, I think he works really hard, the the amount of rebounds he gets. He's one of the best rebounders in college basketball. And I kind of think this is a tough spot for him, though. Uh, Clemson's got some size down low that he's going to have to really contend with, with, you know, having Hunter Tyson and PJ Hall as their four and their five. And so I don't think this is the best spot for Baycott. I would personally, and I think a lot of people are going to share this sentiment as well, I would personally rather play Oscar Sheboy just objectively. But I think the fact that a lot of ownership is going to navigate towards Sheboy, um, kind of makes Baycott a little bit more of an appealing play. But at the same time, if you don't want to pay all the way up for Baycott, I think there is ways you can get different with your lineup down low. Now, I got to mention Chibwe. So he had 78 fantasy points last time Kentucky played Georgia. Yes, you heard that right, 78 fantasy points. And this is the lowest price he's been at in quite some time. So I really think this is a smash spot for Chibwe. But the, again, the problem is everybody knows this. And so... Um, everybody's going to play him. And I don't know. I don't see Georgia, like obviously Georgia's going to go out with their game plan and be like, Hey, we got to not let Oscar Sheboy absolutely destroy us like he did last time. But I don't think they have the dudes on their roster to prevent that from happening unless they just hack and foul and be super physical with them, which is not really a great option if we're being honest. So I think that, you know, the ceiling is there for Sheboy, The floor is there for Sheboy, The ownership is going to be there for Sheboy. So, um, I don't know whether or not you play Oscar Chibwe is going to depend on your comfortability with playing high owned players. If you want to create like this, this Oscar Chibwe leverage lineup, you can go down to Jacob Toppin. Um, you could play Kayson Wallace. Like there's other ways like you could create leverage on not playing Chibwe, but I just think this is a great spot for him. And the only reason you wouldn't want to play him is because of the ownership. Now, Jalen Wilson of Kansas is another high-priced option this slate, but he's not my favorite if I'm being honest. He only had 32 fantasy points against Oklahoma the last time those two teams played, which for him is just not super great. It's not four times value. I'm kind of not interested on Jalen Wilson. He's been really up and down lately. Now, in the same game, Brandon Miller of Alabama and Jani Broom of Auburn I think are both in a great spot. If you're Brandon Miller, you're getting a non-blowout normal game flow game. If you're Jani Broom, you're getting a great game environment with a lot of possessions and a lot of points being scored. I think it benefits both of them. I think if you want to get super freaky, you can put both of them going against each other. That would be interesting, and I think it's actually a legitimate option. Now, we talked about recently how Notre Dame is not good at interior defense. They have Van Allen Lubin back, which helps a little bit. Um, but they're still not super stout down low. And so I think that both Grant Basile and Justin Mutz of Virginia Tech can take advantage of that deficiency. Basile has been better than Mutz as of recently. Um, over 40 fancy points in three of his last five for Basilli, which is a significant number because that is when Hunter Couture returned to the starting lineup in those five games. Um, I don't necessarily think that there's a correlation or a causation there, but it is a stat that since Hunter Couture has been back in the lineup, Grant Basile has been the more productive Virginia Tech big man. If I were to play one of the two of them, it'd probably be Basili, but I think they both have a great matchup against Notre Dame. Now, heading down to the 7K range, and speaking of bad interior defense, Quentin Post of Boston College gets to play NC State, and Quentin Post, like he's kind of had this meteoric rise since he, you know, came back from injury and has started to play for Boston College. And he's hit four times value in four of his last six games. Uh, On the other side of this, I don't think this is a bad spot for DJ Burns, also. DJ Burns has showed us a really high ceiling. And I think that. I don't know. I think he's kind of matchup dependent just because he's such a unique player. Um, If you're Quentin Post, though, I definitely like the matchup because he is taller than Burns. I think he's a little quicker than Burns, but I don't think those things matter on the other end because I think Burns is just really crafty and he's a really good finisher. Burns is going to be able to get you some fancy points. Of the two of them, I would prefer to play Post, but I did want to mention that I think Burns is a solid play as well. Now, I mentioned earlier Jacob Toppin and... I think he's not only a great leverage play against Oscar Shiboy, but he had 38 fantasy points last time that Kentucky played Georgia. So it's not like Shiboy was just the only one doing anything. Jacob Toppin had a solid performance as well, and I think he makes for a solid play as well this slate. Arthur Kaluma of Creighton has been pretty good recently, but he's got, he had 40 fantasy points last time that Creighton played UConn. I really stumbled over my words there. I apologize. But anyway, um, 40 fantasy points would be over five times value, and we would take that. I don't necessarily think, um, I don't know, I can't figure out why that occurred, it's just, just looking at the numbers. But I definitely think that, you know, that's a trend that's worth noting. He's been good for Creighton lately. Creighton's so starter five heavy that he's going to play a crap ton of minutes. It's a pretty good spot for Arthur Kaluma, if I'm being honest. Now, the upper 6K range has a few guys that I don't mind playing this Saturday slate, but I'm not exactly rushing to play them either. Ed Croswell of Providence is one of them. He's got a great game environment against St. John's. Timmy Allen of Texas threw up a dud the first game when Texas played West Virginia, but since then he's averaging 26 fantasy points per game and 33.5 fantasy points per game at home, which is where Texas is for this game. And then Jalen Williams of Auburn and Pete Nance of North Carolina, I don't mind either. Jalen Williams, you're getting a great game environment. Pete Nance, he's kind of the pivot off of Baycott, and he's going to be needed in a game where Clemson plays a true four and a true five as well. K.J. Adams, Jr. of Kansas, is in the lower 6K range. And he actually had more fantasy points than his teammate Jalen Wilson the first time these teams played. And when I say these teams, I mean Kansas and Oklahoma, that is. Um, He had 35.5 fantasy points in that game. Oklahoma has been pretty susceptible to big men, if we're being honest. Um, You know, um, I believe it's Tanner Groves that is the center. He's a very solid player, but he's not like a super great interior defender. Uh, And so this could be a pretty good spot for K.J. Adams. Now in the 5K range, it's... Not pretty if I'm being honest, but one trend that is worth noting, I don't know if I will play him on Saturday, but Andre Hyatt of Rutgers played 26 minutes and had 18 fantasy points in their last game, which is significant because that was Rutgers' first game without Mawat Mag in the lineup. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Rutgers um, adjust to not having Mag in the lineup, but it looks like Hyatt's going to pick up some minutes and if he, if he can pick up some fantasy points, then he's going to become playable on a you know game by game basis. In the 4K range, Chris Livingston of Kentucky is another guy that I believe will see boosted usage without Wheeler and Frederick. Um, And again, it's going up against Georgia, a team that Kentucky should score a lot of points on very easily. Um, I I definitely see myself putting multiple Kentucky guys into lineups tomorrow. Um, now, looking further down the board in the 4K range, Van Allen, Lubin, Notre Dame, I mentioned him already. Um, he's going to be needed against Virginia Tech. Like, they don't have a whole lot of size on this Notre Dame roster at all, and they're going to have to deal with Basile and Mutz down low. And so Van Allen, Lubin's going to be called on to play a lot of minutes. If he gets in foul trouble, then Notre Dame's going to be in grave danger in terms of defending these guys. So I think that he's probably going to see a, quite a bit of minutes, and if he sees quite a bit of minutes, he has a potential to score some fancy points. Now Providence is David Jones. I have not seen an update on this situation, but I don't believe he is back with the team yet and Omar Stanley had 17 fantasy points and 17 minutes filling in for Jones in St. John's last game and we know it's a great game environment against Providence. We know St. John's plays at a high tempo. If Omar Stanley is going to be a fantasy point a minute guy, then what happens when he you know gets 25 minutes? And so I think this is a really good spot for him as one of your value plays as well. Speaking of value plays, James Oconqua of West Virginia keeps having good performances and his price keeps staying the same. So uh, I don't mind going back to him at all. Like um, his kind of recent hot streak started with a decent game against Texas. And so I kind of am willing to keep going back to him until they raise that price tag. Also in that same game, the Texas-West Virginia game, Dylan Mitchell only had three fantasy points against West Virginia the first time, but he's playing a lot more minutes now than he was at that time of the season. And you know, this is another one, I mentioned this with Tyrese Hunter, trust the talent, and he's a guy that's really talented, a freshman, and he needs to develop, and I think that if he is able to see 20 minutes in this game, he's going to give you a good return on it. And then lastly, Noah Clowney for Alabama is very questionable for this game. I would probably expect him to miss if I'm being honest, but definitely wait for updates. If Clowney does miss this game, then Noah Gurley and Nick Pringle could definitely see extended minutes. And, you know, in an Alabama game that's up-tempo, that could mean big numbers for either of those two guys. All right, that does it for the forward position, and that does it for our Saturday preview. Um, Hopefully I cleared this up in the opener, but there is no afternoon or night preview here on this episode. Um... With everything I had going on, just didn't have time to put in the research and do the preparation for it, and I'm not going to give you all a crappy product. So um, just previewed the main slate here on this episode. If you want to see my lineups for the main slate on DraftKings on FanDuel and the afternoon or night slates on DraftKings, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All of the final official DFS picks are heading on there um once I decide who they are and once I make the write-up so um head over to there if you are interested in that and if you're interested in other sports content make sure you check out our showdown DFS preview of the Super Bowl that went up yesterday um I feel like we did some good work on that one if you're making any kind of prop bets for the Super Bowl any kind of showdown DFS plays make sure you go give that a listen um I think there are a lot of ways that we you know can make the Super Bowl more fun than it already is, and showdown DFS is one of them, and I talk about how to construct a lineup on there all right, I am actually kind of impressed that my voice held up till the end of the podcast um, had an overtime basketball game to coach tonight that was um pretty intense to say the least uh, without saying a whole lot about it um, and so my voice kind of just barely limped to the finish line here. So anyway, best of luck to you guys on your Saturday DFS contest. Best of luck to you guys on all your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for listening and I will see y'all next time.